0: And welcome to our Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is the podcast for the week of February fifth, two thousand and twenty three. And uh, if you hear crickets in the background, that's because I am here in the studio all by myself. Um, Marissa and Dave are both, I don't know where they are, but it's just me and Brad in the studio flying solo today. Brad waves uh, to the crowd at home. And uh, the reason is I uh, I just wanted a a time to do this podcast by myself and talk about worship and talk about what we're going to talk about on the week of February 5th so um, we've been trying to explore this question what is the holy spirit saying to our church and i've not thrown this out to everyone but for those of you who listen to this podcast obviously you're you're probably a leader and a teacher in our community or maybe you're just listening to it for fun but i've not asked this to everyone in the church but i would be interested if you want to ping me an email emails on the website what do you think the holy spirit is saying to our church now this is not just our opinions This is being informed by God's Spirit. What does He want to say to our church today? And we have been talking about several different things. We've been talking about that we are unapologetically urban. That's obvious. We're talking about making disciples, and Jesus made that very clear. That's what we're to be about. Not making drama, but making disciples. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about being people of grace and truth. Uh, But on this week, February 4th, we're going to talk about worshiping wholeheartedly and I think that's something as I've grown and grown up I have seen more and more the importance of worship now let's, let's talk about what worship is for just a moment then we're gonna to go to our text for years and years I've defined worship as focusing the mind's attention and the heart's affection on God for who he is and what he does and if I'm teaching this in a community group I would probably throw out that definition And then explore each one. It's focusing the mind's attention. That means it requires our concentration, the heart's affection. Worship can be emotional. It doesn't always have to be. But in in a way, worship is training our emotions. We're training ourselves what to feel and not just being a victim of our random sensations. But we're focusing all of that on God, not on the music, not on the preaching, not on anything else. We're focusing on God for who he is his character, and what he does, his actions, particularly his revelation in Jesus Christ. And so it's all about focus. And as a worship leader, as a person who, uh, in fact, just before we stepped in here, Brad and I walked through worship together uh, this coming Sunday, it's all about focus. What can we do to help people? We can't make you, but we can help you focus. So um, think about the most This is not a word I really like all that much, but it it communicates impactful. Think about your most impactful worship experiences. If I look back over 40-some-odd years of being a Christian, I don't remember every worship experience I've been a part of, much like I don't remember every meal I've ever eaten. But there's a couple that stand out. I remember one when I was in high school, and it was a rather... Undramatic worship experience on a Sunday night. My little church had Sunday night church and Sunday night worship, and it was raining outside, and the smell of rain in the air. And at the at the end, um, I don't even remember what song we really sang, but I was so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. I felt though, as though if I turned to the left, I I just felt (laughs) I just felt his presence right beside me. I felt like if I turned my head to the left, that he would be there. Again, there was nothing remarkable about that particular worship experience other than focus. I was focused. My heart and my mind were focused on God for who He is and what He is doing. Okay, So wouldn't it be great if every worship experience were like that? My answer is no. Because if every worship experience was one emotional high after another— Eventually, I would be making an idol out of my emotions. I would begin to seek that emotion, that high, rather than seeking Him. So I think it's actually good that we have some worship experiences that are energizing, and I think it's good that we have worship experiences that are sometimes challenging, because the goal is the same in both, to focus on God, not on what we're feeling. In fact, I think sometimes a mundane worship experience can be exactly what we need. Because it's a reminder we're not seeking the emotion, we're seeking God. Much as, hey, today for lunch, I don't have much time, I'm just going to catch a, a salad. It's not going to be the tastiest thing in the world, but it's going to sustain me. So something does not have to be exciting to be real. So where all this is taking us in our text is uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to read part of this to you. Part of it I'll, I'll just sum up, and, and you can read it in your on your own time and, and in your community groups. But I would challenge, um, if I were teaching this, what keeps you from focusing in worship? What keeps you from engaging? The bottom line answer is ourselves. The only barrier to us having a richer worship experience is our decision whether to have it or not. So here's 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let me Let me set this up, and then I'm going to read it. I keep saying I'm going to read it but then I don't. And by the way, this is tough. Being in the studio all alone, do you hear the crickets in the background? I do. So here we go. Uh, This is about 1,000 years before Jesus. David, the second king of Israel, is consolidating his power. This is about seven or so years into his reign where he's building out Jerusalem to be his capital. And in order to consolidate all of the political and religious power he can. He's moving the ark into Jerusalem to be with him, okay? So this is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. David again brought together all of the able young men of Israel, 30,000. I mean, this is a show of power. This is like rolling tanks uh, in, in Red Square. He is showing off his military might. He and all his men went to Bala of God, which is called by the name the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherub on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, Sistrums, symbols. Okay, so just get this scene. They're moving the ark toward Jerusalem. Um, they have it on a cart, and people are carrying it along. Now there's two violations here. God commanded the way to move the ark, and it was not by putting it on a cart. It was by carrying it with poles. There were not to be just random people that we see here. There were to be priests. So here is the first aspect of worship that we're going to talk about on the morning that I teach this. Reverence. We want to make sure that we're worshiping the right God in the right way. And we'll talk about one way we should do that here in just a moment. But David and his men were showing irreverence, maybe some ignorance, of how they weren't paying attention to how they should move the cart. Okay. In fact, I'll talk a little bit about, you notice they were guiding the cart. They were guiding the ark. Um, here's the deal. God's supposed to be the one guiding, not not us right so when they came to the threshing floor this is verse six of nahon Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of god because the oxen had stumbled and the lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act i'm just seeing an indiana jones scene in my head therefore god struck him down and he died there beside the ark so because there was irreverence there were casualties so let's talk about for just a moment What reverent worship looks like. And I'm going to give a lot of applications on this the morning that I teach this, but I'm going to focus on one here. Ultimately, reverence for us in worship means that we worship in the name of Jesus Christ. And that sounds like a a very simple thing, but just stop for just a moment. We don't come to worship in our own name. (laughs) We don't come to worship because of who we are and because of what we need. A relationship with God is restored through Jesus Christ, and we come through him to God. So this is an interesting experiment, and I had a pastor friend of mine share this with me years ago. Whenever he visited other churches, and now that you know, whenever, whenever I go out to visit other churches, I'll do the same thing. Whenever I'm a part of a Christian worship service, I will pay attention to the clock and see How long it takes for the name of Jesus to be mentioned in the worship service now this is not a magical mantra it's worshiping in his name doesn't always mean we have to say his name right up front but you know what if it's a priority it's probably gonna be pretty evident and I've been a part of some worship services where the name of Jesus was never mentioned we talked a lot about God and that's good but we have to remember that we are worshiping in the name of Jesus and it's only in our relationship with him and through him that we connect with God. Let's remember that. Let's remember God is not checking attendance, right? It's not just about us putting our, our backside in a pew. It's about us coming to him reverently in the name of Jesus. And so here's a very simple discipline. When you enter worship, don't wait for somebody else to say the name of Jesus as you come in ask Jesus to bless that time. And I think we come to God reverently because we come to him through Jesus, through his sacrifice on our behalf. So Uzzah is dead. We'll talk a little bit about this in the message. David gets scared. He stores uh, the ark at somebody else's house. He says, I, I don't wanna bring this thing now. This is dangerous, and, and God is dangerous. Uh, I'm thinking here about C.S. Lewis and his quote about Aslan, that Aslan is a line, He's he's not tame, But he's good okay david just saw a god here that was uncontrollable he forgot that god was good though so he gets scared he backs off a little bit a couple months go by the ark is being stored at someone's house god is beginning to bless the home of obed edom who is keeping the ark he says okay maybe i should bring the ark now to jerusalem so this brings the second characteristic of worship one is uh, reverence here's the second And I'm going to skip down to verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David... um, Oh, nope, I went too far. Let me go back up, verse 12. Sorry about that. Now, King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom, everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the home of Obed-Edom to the city of David, which is about a seven-mile trek, with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark had taken six steps he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf we'll talk about that six steps and the six steps rest six steps rest imagine doing that for seven miles wearing a linen ephod David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets so here's that second characteristic of worship first there's reverence second there's rejoicing in other words we engage our entire person to worship god and we're going to sit we're going to focus on those phrases dancing before the lord with all his heart okay this is complete worship full focus on god and rejoicing in what god has done and in who he is and so here we come to the idea of emotions in worship should worship always be this thing where we start dancing well um if you've been to worship at first baptist tulsa that probably doesn't happen too much right i'm not saying it always needs to be that outward expression but in the worship language that we use whether it's quiet reverence or exuberant dancing we should have that freedom to come before the lord and to worship him in a way that fits our personality and answers to his dignity and to his goodness and so i've encouraged you and this is strange to to do with a bunch of Baptists, I've encouraged you to start opening your hands in worship. It's just such a simple thing to do, and I hope you feel the freedom to do it. If we don't feel the freedom to express ourselves before the Lord in corporate worship, then there are other things that is driving our worship style rather than who God is. Just begin by opening your hands, lifting your eyes, actually singing a song, engaging with a message saying, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me, and rejoicing That we get to be in the presence of God if uh, you were here a couple Sundays ago I did a, a little time with the children where I had all the children come down to the offering box and I talked to them about why we do what we do and I focused on generosity I will say to parents I I want them to know me I want to know your children I want to know their names because I want their first experience in church and with a pastor to be good because from the very beginning of life, I want them to know that Jesus loves them, and so I said that to the kids. I said, "I, I just, I want you to know more than anything else, Jesus loves you." And one little girl in the corner said, "We know that." Just you know, kind of the whole thing fell flat. Of course, it was fantastic that she was that that honest, but I think sometimes we take that for granted. If I ever to say on Sunday morning, Jesus Christ loves you, probably in our hearts we go, "Yeah, I already know that. Teach me something new." I want you to think about this. Whoever you are, wherever you're listening, Jesus Christ loves you. And that should cause us to rejoice. So as leaders, I would invite you, I would implore you, please be engaged in worship. Uh, We can't expect people in our community groups to be involved if we're not involved. And this is more than you coming to church. This is about you worshiping God wholeheartedly with reverence, with rejoicing. And here's the, the cost and the benefit to that. The two great commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you ever get to that point, say, yeah, I really don't need to go to worship anymore. I've heard all the songs. I've heard all the sermons. I'm good. Worship is where we express our love for God and where we're reminded that God loves us. If that love for God and from God runs dry we have nothing to give to other people if we let that source dry up then our love for other people will dry up as well so especially as a leader of community of community groups if you're leading others you have the responsibility to keep your heart alive with the love of God so that you have something to give away to those who you lead and who you serve And that's all I got to say about that. So explore this with your community groups. Explore what reverence looks like. Talk about the way we prepare ourselves for worship, what we do as we enter that room. Um, By the way, one of the most reverent sounds for me as people are gathering for worship and there's that kind of that holy rumble in the church where everyone's talking to one another, that's not irreverent at all. That's the community, that's the body of Christ coming together. That's people loving one another as an outflow of being in Christ. So don't mistake reverence for silence. It can be that, but it can also be a reverent rejoicing. That's the goal that we want to get to as we worship the Lord. Okay, we're done. Hope you're having a great day today. Hope you're enjoying uh, the beginning of this new month, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Oh